Well, good evening to you all. It's great to see you tonight. And tonight we recommence from the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, for some of you, you might think, gee whiz, that was a while since we last looked at 2 Timothy. Yes, you are right. Uh, Jordan last preached from 2 Timothy chapter 2 a while back. And in chapter 2, Jordan reminded us that believers uh, don't fight about secondary or small matters. And what they need to do is gently correct false teachers or believers so that God may perhaps um, turn those people away from their evil ways and into the truth. But now in chapter 3, Paul says that there are people that we must avoid or turn away from. And we now have this tension here. Why, who do we correct with patience and gentleness? And who do we turn away from or avoid? And this leads us to tonight, to our reading. So if you have your Bibles or the Pew Bibles in front of you, we're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, page 1182. Let's hear from God's Word. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people would be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. May God bless the reading of his word. Please join with me as I pray before I start. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you that as we could just sing, you have the words of life, of eternal life. Where else can we go? So Lord, we come to you tonight, Lord. We come to your word. We pray, Lord, that the words that are spoken, Lord, may not be my words, Lord, but your words. We pray, Lord, that you may be glorified and that, Lord, your spirit may be working in our hearts and our lives for your glory now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was in grade prep, in year seven and in my first year of university, I shared a very unique experience in those years mentioned. What was it? It was the first time that I started at primary school, secondary school and uni. When I was in grade prep, I was a five-year-old who had to quickly learn to discern. Who should I be friends with and who should I keep an arm's distance from? This then happened to me in year seven. I went to high school and I had to quickly learn and ask myself, who do I want to be friends with there? And who do I need to keep away from? Who are the bad kids that would influence me in the wrong way? 
and then I went to uni, and it was here where I then had to ask myself again, who were people worth investing in, and who were people who were not interested in being there? We all grow up learning to discern who we should associate with and who we should distance ourselves from. Why do we do this? As 1 Corinthians 15.33 reminds us, bad company corrupts good character. Tonight, in our passage, we see Paul telling Timothy something very important. He's saying, Timothy, in the church, you must watch out. You will have people corrupted in mind and who are not real believers. But do not fear, Timothy. Continue to walk in the truth and discern those who don't. From our passage tonight, we'll learn that we must discern and recognize those who seem to be godly and biblical, yet are far from it. The three things I want to share with you are, what is the danger? Why is there danger? Three, how we avoid danger. So let's look at what is the danger. Paul tells Timothy in verse 1 that he must take heed and understand that in the last days there will be terrible and difficult times. These days are, are not just the days before Christ's return, but the days of the early church until the return of Christ. So we're all living in the last days now. And in these days, uh, there'll be people, and if you look at verse 2, it says, who love themselves. They will love money, be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. They're ungrateful, they're unholy, they're heartless and cruel, unappeasable or unquenchable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit or puffed up. And last but not least, they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And what, what is the danger here? What is Paul telling Timothy and what is he telling us? He's saying that there will be people who are described by these 18 wicked ways in verses 2 to 5, who will be in the church. They'll appear and look like they're godly. They'll, they'll appear pious, but they will deny the power of God. They deny the very power that changes us. And what command does Paul give Timothy? He tells him in verse 5, to avoid such people or, or turn away from these people. Don't embrace their ways. Now, what I believe Paul is saying is that the people here being described are not random people. These people being described are people in the church. And if they were, if they were random people, we'd have to live in the desert and avoid these people. I mean, it'd sort of like be a monk or a nun living in a monastery or a nunnery, living life as a recluse from the rest of the world. But, but that's not what Paul is saying. Even though he's describing here a character that is the character of humanity, 
He's not saying avoid every single person. What I believe Paul is saying can be clearly seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 13. And Paul, he writes to the Corinthians who are having sexually immoral brothers and sisters in the church and he tells them these very words. Let me read them to you. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy, or swindlers, or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now, I'm riding with you to not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what I have, well, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Paul tells Timothy that there are people in the church who you need to discern and recognize as people who are not genuine Christians. As verse 8 says, they are disqualified regarding the faith. Meaning that if there was a test to see if they were real Christians, they would fail the test. Paul is telling Timothy to avoid these people by not embracing their lifestyle, their teaching, their theology or their doctrine. Why? Because these people... They look godly, but in fact, they are opposed to the truth that you believe. In 2009, the Victorian state government organised an ecumenical service for the victims of the Black Saturday bushfires. And they organised for many denominations and religions to come together for an ecumenical service and many church denominations were in attendance, many other religions, bar certain denominations. See, there were evangelical churches that said that they would not become part of this service because there were liberal churches there. And the denominations that held fast to God's word refused to be part of a service that compromised the gospel. How did such a service compromise it? Well, there were denominations and religions that seemed peaceful and friendly, but were in fact against the gospel that were there. See, they believed that anyone could be saved without Jesus. They believed that you could earn your salvation. They believed that all roads led to the cross of Christ. And by refusing to participate, we saw faithful church leaders show wisdom and discernment. Wisdom to say that we cannot participate in a service that seems godly, but is anything apart from the gospel. It was apart from the gospel, this service, and they, no one was going to participate, which was wise. You see, some looked at them, these church leaders said, you guys are harsh, you're cruel. But these evangelical churches were not 
embracing the theology that these liberal churches were embracing. They were avoiding so-called Christians who were opposed to the fundamental beliefs of Scripture. And the people described by Paul are dangerous because they deny God's power. They teach a different gospel. See, God hasn't changed the hearts of these people. Yet they would like you to think otherwise. And why is that dangerous? Because we were once the very things that were mentioned here in verses 2 to 5. We were lovers of self. We rejected God. We lived wretched lives that despised God's truth and despised godliness. But for those who believe in Christ, this is not who we are anymore. We have been washed by the blood of Christ. We have been sanctified. We are being made to the image of Jesus each and every day. See, we are, we're seeing our sin. We're turning away from it. We no longer want to love ourselves, but we want to love God. And we are people who have been transformed from the inside out by God's powerful Holy Spirit. See, we believe in one Saviour, one Gospel, and we do not pervert it. So do not follow and embrace the teaching of, of people who reject the truth of Scripture. Do not follow people who they themselves have not been transformed by the Holy Spirit. Do not embrace their ways. Do the opposite. Discern and recognize who they are. Turn away from them. Turn away from false teaching. I hope you've been able to see what the danger is. Now, I want to share with you the second thing. Why is there danger? Why? Is there danger? And as verses 1 to 5 are described, there are people who are not godly, but appear to be. And as you look at verses 6 to 8, you see that people are in danger. Why? Because these so-called believers who are false teachers with false doctrines prey on weak people. Let me look at verse 6 to 8. It says, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened, with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jumbres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. For those of you right now who might be saying, is Paul being sexist here? He's not. He's not saying women are weak. No, if you look at the context, though, he's saying that these false believers, these false teachers, prey on foolish people. They are, they are going after those who are not mature, who are burdened and led astray by passions. People who are, who are trying to learn, but don't get to a knowledge of the truth. It's people like this who are easily targeted, 
It's, it's like the hunter going after weak prey. People are, are going after those who they know they can attack, they can get, and they can change. It's, a, it's actually a very scaring and worrying picture described here. I know of this Christian group who once had this young man join them. He was polite, he was friendly, and was liked by everyone in this group. But as time went on, mature Christians knew that this guy was a dangerous, dangerous man. What was he doing? He was befriending those who were wanting to know more about Jesus and those who weren't very mature in the faith, and then he was teaching them false doctrines to change them and to change their thinking and to distract them. He was, he was telling people, God doesn't care if you're living in sin. And he also said, God forgives every one of your sins, so don't feel like you have to turn away from sin and live life like a new person. That's what he was saying to people. And the, this dangerous teaching, it was confusing many people who were still searching for the truth. And you see, this, this dangerous man, he, he picked, he knew who to pick on. He knew who was weak. He knew those who didn't know the truth. He was like a hunter going after weak prey. He was opposed to the truth. In verse 8, Paul gives us his own illustration of what opposition to the truth looks like. He describes two men, Janus and Jambres, men who are, are not named in the Old Testament, but can be seen in the book of Exodus. In Exodus 7, it shows us this. We see Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh in Exodus, saying, Exodus 7, saying, let my people go. And then Aaron, if you know the story, he takes his staff, he throws it to the ground, and he throws it into a snake. And then what do Pharaoh's magicians and sorcerers do? They do the same thing. They say, you follow a powerful God? Well, our magic is just as powerful. But it really isn't. Because Aaron's snake swallows up all of their snakes. See, these magicians, they oppose Moses and Aaron. They seek to suppress the truth that Moses and Aaron share to Pharaoh. Truth that is given to them from God. See, we need the truth. We need to walk in the truth. We need to remain firm in the truth. And how do we do that? We need to walk with Jesus. See, Jesus is the very truth itself. He tells us in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, if you believe in Jesus, you follow the way, the truth and the life. As we sung, the one who has the words of eternal life. See, Jesus he doesn't deceive you. Jesus, He doesn't appear godly. He is very nature God. 
And everything he does is perfect, without fault and error. Every word he says gives us life. He doesn't deny God's power because the very power that he has is power from on high. You see, Jesus, he protects his people. So be assured of this. He has promised that, that no one, no one can snatch you from his hands if you believe in him and are his disciple. No false teacher can ever deceive you if you belong to Jesus and are his. So, what about these false teachers? We know that they are the danger. We know that they are dangerous. But how do we avoid them? It's the last thing that I want to share with you tonight. How do we avoid the danger? These, these false teachers, they will not get very far. Please, look. if you look at verse 9, we can be reminded of that. It says, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men, Janus and Jambres. See, the but at the start of verse 9 reminds us that while the false teachers may seem like they're doing damage, they don't get very far. They don't get very far at all. See, one day, people will see their foolishness for what it is. Whether in this lifetime, when Christ returns, their foolishness will be made plain for all to see. They won't get away with it. They cannot escape God's judgment. Truth will prevail. Throughout history, we have had many people try and make foolish doctrines become accepted truths in the church. They've tried. People, people once strongly pushed that Jesus was not fully divine like God the Father. This was known as Arianism. People once strongly pushed that your good work saved you and not divine grace. This was known as Pelagianism. And people once pushed that Jesus never physically rose from the dead and died on the cross. This was docetism. And do you know what happened to people who taught these things? Their foolishness became plain for all to see. That is a great comfort to us. Verse 9 reminds us that those who are against the truth of Christ will not get very far. But what do we need to do? What do we need to do? We need to know our God. And how do we know our God and who He is? The Bible. God, God reveals Himself to us and how we are to live for Him in His holy and infallible Word. In the next part of this chapter, in chapter 3, Paul He's going to go on to remind Timothy that the only way that he can go on and not be deceived is if he knows what he believes. And all that he believes is found in one place. It's found 
and the perfect and holy Word of God. The very words of God breathed out to us. See, we can know Jesus. We can know the truth. We can know what God tells us. But only when we know His Word, when we read His Word, and we ask His Spirit to empower us, because then God speaks to us when we're in His Word. There was a, a young six-year-old boy named Andy who was in class who, who loved his teacher. And he would always ask his teacher these questions. And these questions were, were really tricky questions about the meaning of life that, well, Andy, at six years old, didn't know the answer to. And Andy once thought, oh, I want to know how my teacher can answer my questions. Where does she get all of her, her smart answers from? So Andy asked his teacher, he says, Miss, how is it that you can answer all my questions about the meaning of life so well? And Andy's teacher very simply responded to Andy, being in God's word, Andy. And then he asked again, but, but where do you find such a clear and wise response? And she responded, being in God's word, Andy. And then Andy said one more time, but miss, how can you be so sure? She responded one more time, being in God's word, Andy. When we know God's word, when we always come back to it and seek to ground our beliefs in it, no false teacher or false doctrine can deceive us. Reading, reading God's Word and holding firmly to it is not just for Timothy and Christian leaders like him. It's for all of us who want to be mature Christians. See, if you want to be a mature believer, you need to make sure that you hold firm to what God's Word teaches us. We need to know what we believe. And when we know God's word and we know the truth, we're not led astray by false teachings and false doctrines. If we are truly God's, he will not let us be snatched out of his hand. How amazing is that? And God's word shapes every part of our lives. When we're seeking his truth, this is what false teachers fear the most. See, they fear people who love God's Word, who always come back to it as their source of all truth. Why is that? Because it makes it hard to deceive people when they are coming back to the truth and the words of life. If you're here tonight and you don't believe in Jesus who offers eternal life, who has the words of life, and if you're searching and you're wanting to know more, please turn to the Bible. Look and read what God has to say. In it, you will find the only way, the only truth, and the only source of eternal life, Jesus. And if you already follow Jesus here tonight, 
Can I ask you to continue to walk in the truth and discern those who oppose it? Think about here for a second what Paul and the Baran people did in Acts 17. Paul, a man who is so (laughs) smart, he comes and he shares the message of Jesus to the Bereans. And what do they do? Their first response is to examine the scriptures to see if everything that Paul said is true. You see, they didn't believe Paul at what he first said. They tested it with what God's Word had to say. This is the example that we need to follow. I mean, I've preached tonight here from this pulpit, and I hope that you don't just believe what I say. Look at the Scriptures and make sure that it is from God's Word. I mean, when Gerald preaches, or when, when Joel, or Jordan, or Zien, or Tony, or Mitch, or anyone else preaches from this pulpit, make sure that we check what is preached with God's Word. Don't, don't let reputation make you believe someone. Make sure that what is said is in line with the Scriptures. And it's, it's not just an example here for, for us here at Donville and what's preached in the pulpit. It's actually something for all of life. You see, in an age of technology, we have things like podcasts and YouTube and we can listen to and read and watch whatever we can now in today's society. And on these platforms, we need to be reminded that there are dangerous people trying to lead people away from the truth. You need to check what they are saying and make sure that what is said is in line with God's Word. Don't don't let convincing arguments or a resume of many qualifications influence you. Make sure that whatever you hear is tested with God's Word. Because if what false teachers say is not true, their foolishness will one day be plain for all to see. So remember, there is danger. This danger is false teaching and false teachers that are within the church. They seem godly, but they are far from it. And why is there danger? Because people will want to turn you away from the truth. Why? They are opposed to the truth. But if you are in Christ, do not fear. Do not fear. We can avoid those opposed to the truth when we walk in the truth and hold firm to the Word of God. So, brothers and sisters, continue to walk in the truth and discern those who don't. Let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. And we thank you that while people may come and teach false scripture and be opposed to the truth, Lord, they will not get very far. Thank you, Lord, that for those in Christ, Father, Lord, you have promised us, Lord, that you will not leave us, Lord, or forsake us. Lord, you've promised, Lord, that we will not be snatched, Lord, from your hand. 
We cannot be deceived. Lord, help us, Lord, to continue to walk in the truth. Help us, Lord, to walk knowing, Lord, that Christ is living in us through your Spirit, Lord, and changing us and transforming us each and every day. Lord, may we be united, Lord, in your word, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray.